with us. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. There are a couple of uh, things I need to kick off this message with uh, before we jump into it. Uh, we actually have a, uh, a brand new member to New Life uh, today, a, um, a baby boy, Jacob Andrew Levine, born to Jason and Bridget. Where, where are you guys? Where are you guys at? Where are they at? Over there. Yeah. Hey, stand up, guys. Stand up. Congratulations. Very good. Very good. Well, hey, listen, we want to say congratulations to you. Um, we got uh, a little bear for you. Even though Connie's not here, um, the bear's being delivered. All right. We noticed that when the bear was up here, some people didn't really know what to do. Do we rush the stage and grab our bear now? Or does Connie throw it like a football touchdown? No one really knew. And so to, you know, take away the, the violent tendencies in all of us, we just deliver the bear with gentleness and kindness. So congratulations to you guys. I also need to let you know that we're making some changes around here. That should be of really no surprise to you, though. Um, with, uh, as leadership changes, other things change. And I, wanna, I want with joy in my heart to tell you about a significant change uh, that's happening with uh, Pastor Roger and with Johnny. So first off, right off the bat, they're staying, right? So that question can go out of your mind, all right? Yeah, I love those guys. So what we're going to do, though, is we've been praying over these last few months and just kind of seeking out God's heart and just trying to, you know, uh, figure out, God, what is the, what's their A game? I mean, what did you really, really design them for, for this moment in time? You know, they've been faithfully serving here for years and years. So this was nothing that was done quickly. This is actually something done where Roger and I prayed together. And together we came to a consensus that it's, it's possible, just possible that God's speaking change. And that's what we found to be true. So Roger and Johnny are now going to be leading what we call spiritual life. They're going to be handling all of our prayer and care of the church. Really, they're, they're champions for pastoral care. That should let you know right now where my heart is. One of the things that I value in my heart is prayer and care. And I went back to the origin of our church, and one of the, one of the um, slogans on New Life has always been, we're a warm and we're a friendly church. Well, we want to maintain that warm and friendly attitude, and so Roger and Johnny are going to help champion that. They're going to help champion uh, all types of creative prayer moments, where we have prayer hotspots, where we meet down at like the city, uh, the city building, and we spend 20 minutes on a Friday night, and we pray, and then... You can go out for ice cream or they're going to they're going to help us, you know, make sure that when you're in the hospital or that when you're sick, when you're in need, that we're making sure that all of the ministries are in place to take care of our people, uh, that we're, we're putting on creative prayer events that happen in this auditorium to pray for your sons and your daughters who are prodigals and have walked away or for your needs, praying for the sick. They're going to activate our deacon board to actually go and lay hands on the sick when you request it. Um, and anoint you with oil and pray for you, just like the New Testament commands us to do. So Roger and Johnny are championing all of that prayer and care, follow-up, visitation, all of those pieces that go into taking care of people as they walk through our doors that God brings us. The other thing that I'm excited about they're going to champion for us is our senior adult ministries. Uh, we really need to ramp up our senior adult ministries. They're going to help us with that. Uh, they're going to do all types of creative things with our senior adults. So be expecting that if you're in that age bracket that you would consider yourself to be in the senior adults. And some of you are there, but you won't do it yet. So I got it. I understand that. No problem with that, all right? But when you do come to the realization, maybe I do fit into that group, just know this. We care about you. It's something in my heart. I love you. 
I cherish you. You're valued. Therefore, we're going to hire a staff member to make sure that ministry happens to our senior adults with excellence and with efficiency so that spiritual growth continues no matter how old you are. Amen? Amen. Um, So they're going to handle all those things, plus he's going to continue what he currently does with our Christian education. So those are some changes that are happening. Um, It's going to be a blast. I'm going to take over then all of the life groups, and I'm going to take over all the adult ministries for now, uh, just to kind of maybe do a little retooling, a little reshaping of, uh, of those pieces. So that's what's happening. Be excited. Come up to Roger and Johnny. Give them a big hug and congratulate them on their new job portfolio that really kind of fits them like a glove fits a hand. Okay? All right? Very good. Hey, how many of you guys have been to the pool this summer yet? Anybody? Any pool people? We have a couple back there. All right, good. Oh, really? All right, good. Yeah, you go to the pool. The pools are open. You drive by them. They're packed. They're chock full of kids running all over the place and moms and dads chasing them down, you know, telling them not to run, stop taking cookies into the pool, all that fun stuff. Lifeguards are out there. Um, Lifeguards. Think with me, you know, what a pool would be like without a lifeguard. I know when you were a boy, you would think to yourself, that would have been a dream come true. Uh, we could have done anything. But for the safety of humanity, God has given us lifeguards, all right? Uh, lifeguards are there, and they're there. They're watching for the distressed swimmer. They're there watching for the horse play. They're there making sure that your experience can be as safe as possible. They're also there watching for struggling swimmers. The swimmer that's out in the water, and the head continues to bob under the water, with the hand flailing in the air, like, save me, save me. And if you've ever been in that torturous situation, I understand. Um, I've been in that moment myself. So um, your heart starts pounding, but they're there to help us. Lifeguards are trained to risk their life, to jump into the water, to save a drowning victim. That's what they're trained to do. Now, you may never be called on to ever do what a lifeguard does. You may never have to jump into a pool or into a lake rescue someone but what you do need to know is that every christian is called to save drowning people let's just picture with me for a moment and get prepared to shout out your answers but if you were at a lake you're there barbecuing with your family and out in the deep part of the lake you see a child swimming and then the child starts to drown and you see their head bobbing underneath the water and their arm is flailing like this and they're like i'm drowning i'm drowning what would you do You would go out and try to save them? Okay. What would, what would anybody else do anything different? Try to throw them something or help them out? Turn around and go, where's their mom? Would you? What? I mean, would most of you try to jump in to save them? Yeah, because you know what? Because that's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And as, as Christ followers... We need to realize something about the planet we live on. And that is sin acts like a millstone around the, around the feet of people, pulling them underneath the water of life, causing us to live lives that aren't honoring God. And there are people that are drowning. You, you either have been there or are you there or you are there right now. But we're all at a place where we're dealing with the sin of the world and people are drowning all around us. And as Christian, Christians, God's called us to jump into the waters and to save them. Now, some people are drowning and it's blatant. Certain sin on their life is just it's screaming out. And it's just telling the world, I'm drowning and I need help. Please help me. But then there's other, there's other people that are drowning and they don't even realize it. They're drowning in religion. We live in a very religious part of the country. And there's many people that are drowning 
because of their religiosity. They thought that by doing things to please God that they would somehow, you know, find life. But doing things to please God is not where life is found. They thought by dressing a certain way and going to a certain church and, you know, putting on the right front and the right face and carrying their Bible and, you know, knowing when to sit and stand and when to raise their hands and when not to raise their hands, that somehow that was going to honor God. But over time, it found it to be very dull and very lifeless. And some, some people have been religious and are religious sitting right here in our pews right now, and you found that your spirituality has gone dormant, that you've been stalled for some time. Those individuals that are drowning in religiosity many times don't even know it until it's too late. And all of a sudden, they've lost their strength to fight. And boom, they're underneath the water. And all they are is sucking water into their lungs. And God's even asked us to reach them as well. New life. We're in our second week of this series called Vision. It's my endeavor that we look at the first seven chapters of Joshua that I would be able to cast for you some vision of what I see our church needing to be and what I, what I believe our church is designed for and what I believe God wants our church to fulfill. And one of those things is that we need to be a church that refuses to let people drown no matter what the cause is. No matter what the cause, no matter what the sin is, no matter what their life looks like, we must be a church that refuses to let people drown where they are. Now, a good lifeguard knows something, though. A good lifeguard knows they can save this person or they can't. You've seen it. You've heard it before, probably on a TV show, or you've been in a situation where you hear a lifeguard yell out, you know, listen, you've got to stop panicking. You've got to stop panicking. I'm going to come up behind you, and I'm going to grab you, and I need you to stop panicking. Because if they're reaching out and they grab the lifeguard and they're panicking, then that person can pull that, that person that's come to save them underneath the water. Same thing is true with our Christianity. I know that we can't save everyone. God's heart is to save everyone, but your mission isn't to save everyone. Our mission is to save the people that are drowning that are around us. So we have to be a church that becomes a safe place for those that feel like they're taking on the water of life. We have to be a church that's welcoming as well. Not only are we designed to save the drowning, but we've got to be a church that welcomes the person drowning in their sin. We have to be a church that welcomes and becomes a safe place for the drunkard, for the drug addict, for the abusive parent, for the immoral boss, for the atheist who's asking their questions, for all the sexual immoral. This must be a safe place that they can come and they can find life. And for all of those who are trapped in religion and everyone else that's found drowning in their sin, this must be a safe place for them to come so that we can help We can help them. We can love them back so we can be what God asks us to be. God loves people. Regardless of their sin, God loves people. And He's asked us to do the very same thing, to love people. And if this makes you feel uncomfortable today, that we would love those kind of people and that this church would be safe for those types of people to come in, if this makes you feel uncomfortable, then let me just tell you something very straight. You aren't in a place where you want to stay you're uncomfortable with this place being filled with sinners, then you aren't at a spiritual place where you should be. We should be a church that's going, let them come. All those who are thirsty, all those you know who are hungry, let them come. All those who are drowning, let them come. And I'll be a lifeguard, part of God's plan to help save them. If you feel like those people you know, are going to ruin your nice little church, then you're not at a place where you want to stay. If you like the way this feels... You're thinking to yourself, if man, if the drunkards and the, the sexually immoral and 
you know, the abusers and the, the immoral bosses, if those types of people walk into this place, it's going uh, it's just going to disrupt my church. I'm going to have to go find another place. Let me just tell you something. No, you don't have to go find another place. You're just in the wrong place spiritually. Our hearts have to be opened up. Don't stay there. Go with me to a new place if that's where your heart is. And if you feel like those people that I just mentioned just need to burn in hell, then what you're really saying is this. If they were the child out in the deep part of the lake that was drowning, you would stand there and watch them drown. I don't think that's who you are. I don't think that's who our church is. But I know this. We have to be proactive and not reactionary. We have to let go of our prejudice. We have to lay down our judgmental attitudes. And we have to begin to love people right where they're at. Thank God He doesn't judge me because of my sin, but yet He forgives me. Thank God He doesn't look at me and say, Jeff Baker, because of your past, I have a prejudice against you. And I'll only do so much for you, but I'll do more for her. Thank God that He doesn't respond to me that way. And nor should we. But if that's where your attitude has been, awaken yourself on the inside. And don't stay in that place. But go with me to a new place. Because the church of Jesus, the church that looks like Jesus, looks radically different than everything that we were just talking about. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, this is what his church basically looks like. It says in verse 15 that Levi, or Matthew, he invited Jesus and his disciples to his home for, as a dinner guest along with many tax collectors and other what types of people? Disreputable sinners. Look, what, look at this. Disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Disreputable. People that were known in the community with horrible characters. Lifestyles that were, that were you know, messed up with titles and judgment statements written all over their lives. But the Bible says clearly that Jesus' followers were made up, many of them were made up of the dis reputable people i just think that that blows my mind away verse 16 but when the teachers of religious law who were pharisees or who thought they had everything figured out who thought that they had become perfect saw him eating with tax collectors and other other sinners they asked his disciples these things why does he eat with such scum wow verse 17 when jesus heard this he told them Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous. Notice that. I haven't come to call those who think that they are righteous. Let it be known today. None of you are righteous. Jeff Baker is not righteous. I've come but for those who know that they are sinners. I'm just going to boldly say it today. New life is a church for sinners. And it's for those who will continue, no matter how long they journey with God, to look into the mirror of their soul and realize, without Christ, I'm but just a sinner. Without the hope that God brings, I'm disreputable. That's, that's what this church is full of. We have to humble ourselves and remind ourselves of that regularly. Or we will become the church that thinks that they are righteous. The church that Jesus had on this earth was filled with both the rich and the poor. It was filled with those who were becoming righteous and those who were disreputable. And one thing was true. Jesus made them all feel comfortable, but He wasn't willing to leave them in their sin. 
Jesus wasn't one to leave people there, nor is the Holy Spirit willing to leave you and me in our disreputable sin. But He wants to continue to transform us into being holy and righteous in His sight. That's the journey that we're all on. It's not easy to love certain people. I know that. I know some people are just hard to love. Right? But if God puts them in our lives, we have no choice. If God brings them through our doors, we have no choice. If God puts them in your family, you have no choice. If God causes them to move into the house next to you, you have no choice. If they work in the cubicle next to you, you have no choice because God loved them first. And all He's asking us to do is to model His character and His nature. God loves people and He asks us to do the same. We can never forget the disreputable lifestyles that each of us came from or we will naturally create the church that thinks they are righteous. Never forget where you came from. When you're in a moment of prayer, go back to that. Have that picture fresh on your mind. Remember where Jesus brought you out of. Remember where He's bringing you from. Lest you think that you are righteous today. We must fight hard to be a church that truly looks like Jesus. A church where people that are drowning in their sin can cross over from death into life and become God's people living in God's land. Joshua chapter 3 and 4. God's people trying to get to God's land. The promised land. And what they had to do is they had to cross through a river. This river was raging. It was raging. It was at flood stage. And they had, they came up against it and this river was keeping them where they they couldn't cross it. Only the strongest would have been able to cross it. But the weakest. Or women, especially with children. How would you get in, how would you get in children across? There, there was easily about a million people that were following them. How would you get a million people across a raging river? You were going to lose some people that day. But the raging river was keeping them from crossing over from where they were to become God's people living in God's land. Guys, our church, our church is going to somehow have to deal with the river that's flowing, that's raging, that's keeping people from becoming God's people living in God's land. And to do that, that means our church is going to have to look a lot more like what Jesus talked about in that, math, in that Mark chapter 2 passage. So to become the church that looks like Jesus, that helps people cross over the river, you and me are going to have to step into the river. We're going to have to step into the river. Where do I get that? Joshua chapter 3, verse 13 says this. It says, the priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. And as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the, and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Notice that. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away in a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. The water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. We're going to have to step into the river. Look what happened here. Who was first into the river? The ark was the first into the river. God says, listen, you priests, you take the ark, and then you step into the river. What does the ark represent? The ark represents the power and the presence of God. Notice that it was the obedience of the priests 
bringing the power and the presence of God that caused a river that was flowing at flood stage to back up. But notice the river was flowing at flood stage at what time of the year? At the harvest. Now, we live in an agricultural community. I think the harvest is something that's familiar to us, right? Any farmers in the house, is the harvest important, yes or no? Absolutely it is. And if there is a flood or a tornado or some type of a massive hailstone, any type of you know, issue that would happen during the harvest, would that not be a major threat? Yeah, it's a major threat. So this river that's flowing at flood stage is keeping God's people from becoming God's people in God's land, but it's also coming against the harvest. Harvest represents new souls being won into the kingdom. New souls being won into the kingdom. But notice who carried the ark. Who carried the ark? The priests carried the ark. The priests, the ones who would be in God's temple, who the high priest once a year would go into the Holy of Holies. The priests, they knew the heart of God. The priests became the mediators between man and God. And the priests carried it. That's Old Testament. New Testament. Who are the priests in the New Testament? In the time in which you and me live. Who are the priests? If you said me, you were wrong. If you said we, you were right. I might have the title of pastor, but you and me, you and me are all priests. Just look with me at what 1 Peter chapter 2 has to say about that. And you, you and me, we are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more? You are His holy, what? Priests. Through the meditate, through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. God's forming you and me. If we want Christ to be at the center of our lives, He's forming us into His priests. Through what? The mediation of Christ giving His life on the cross. Know that. It's not about what you can do. It's about what He has done. And He's turning us into priests so that we can obey Him and we can step into this river that's flowing from hell itself, keeping the new harvest from becoming God's people in God's land to give us the authority of the Holy Spirit living in us that we might step into that river and with boldness watch it back up so that people can cross over and find new life in Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be those people, to step into the river by the power of the Holy Spirit and to watch it back up, to watch every attack, every lie, every symptom, every disease of hell itself to be backed up so that your loved ones and the people that God puts in our influence might find life in Christ again. That means you and me are going to have to submit ourselves to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and go, God, transform me into the priest that you want me to be. So to step into the river is to love people right where they are. Just to love people right where they are. That's what it means. You're stepping into all their junk. You're stepping into everything that's flowing from hell itself into their life. You're stepping in. You're willing just to embrace them right where they are. Notice what Jesus didn't concern himself with when he was found with the disreputable. Notice that he didn't concern himself with how people were going to perceive him. We are going to have to get beyond the perception of our own character to love people right where they are. We're going to have to lay down what we think people are going to conceive about us, what they're going to think about us and the label they're going to put on us to love people right where they're found. That's what it means to step into the river. 
to step into the river and to, and to love people right where they are, you're also going to have to trust God to bring the change in their lives. Notice, when the priests were obedient and they picked up the ark and they followed God and as soon as their feet and the power and the presence of God hit the river, it was the power and the presence of God and the obedience of priests that backed up the river. Notice this, it's going to be God's power and His presence that's going to bring change to the people that He's called you to love. The ones that are going to stretch you the most. The ones that are going to cause you to grow in your faith the most. But when you're obedient to God, the power of God shows up and God wants to change people. Please know this today. God's not done changing you. God hasn't given up on the people that maybe you're wanting to give up on. God hasn't given up on the people that you would call the disreputable. He hasn't given up on them. God has hope in His heart that all mankind would know Him and follow Him. And God yells out with a champion's voice to His church, will the church please love the sinner and love them where they are so that I can do something powerful and mighty in their life. God is wanting to use us as priests to let His power and presence flow through us to affect the lives of others. We are God's A-game. God doesn't have another plan of how the message and the hope of Christ gets transferred from one generation to another. It's the power of His Holy Spirit speaking through fathers like what was mentioned earlier. The power of the Holy Spirit speaking through mothers. It's the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit speaking through the believer to the world around us. We are His priests to bring change. Think with me what happens. You have a whole group of thieves, okay? They're all, they're all robbing the convenience store. Let's just say there's a hundred thieves and they all decided that day, you know, they did like a little flash mob, um, you know, thievery and they all said flash mob on the convenience store. We're all robbing it at 12, right? So a hundred thieves show up and the cops get the text message, all right? Because they've got tech stuff too. And they show up. What happens when the cops show up and a hundred thieves are robbing the convenience store? If they're smart thieves. Which, is that even possible? If they're smart, what are they going to do? They're going to run, right? Everyone's going to scatter. They're going, scatter! Police are here! All right? If you're, if you're in the, the part of Nebraska where I used to live, down in the inner city of Omaha, they would have gone, the popo's here! The popo is here! And then, boom, off they go. You can use that later. Popo. That's what it's used for. Please. I know. It's a little urban. Sorry for that. What happens when a room is full of roaches and you flip the light on? What happens when Christians that are full of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit step into an unbeliever's life? Could it also be possible that the river of hell that's bringing death and destruction to their life has the potential to flee and to back up? According to my Bible, Where there is light, there can be no darkness. You are the light of the world. You bring hope to the world. You are the walking priest of the world, filled with the power and the presence of God. Let's have the faith to believe that God backed up a river so that the harvest wasn't threatened, and so His people could move into His land and become God's people in God's land. If He did it back then in Joshua chapter 3, He can surely do it today for the person that you love. He can surely do it. You and me are going to have to be bold like those priests and say, well, perhaps God, and put the power and presence of God on your shoulders and step in and start loving people right where they are. We want to become the church that looks more like Jesus' church. Then we're also, we must be people that share our testimonies. Once the people crossed over the river, once they did that, the priests were still standing down in the riverbed 
you know, holding on to the ark. All right, here they are standing there. All the people, the million people, they cross over. And then when it's all done, Joshua speaks to the people and he says, guys, I want to tell you something that God told me. At this very moment, this is what God wants us to do. All right, this is found in Joshua chapter 4. Joshua speaks to the people and Joshua told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all. One for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the, in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. The rocks gathered that day were going to be stacked up in Gilgal, where they were camping two miles away from Jericho. And so these 12 stones picked up, you can imagine what the size of the stone is if they have to put it on their shoulder and they carry it away to be a memorial. A memorial to what? A memorial to the faithfulness of God. A memorial to the faithfulness of God. Let me just tell you something today. Let me awaken you for a moment and to remind you, this is who you are. You are those rocks. You are those rocks that were stacked up for all of Israel to see the faithfulness of God. You are a rock. You are a rock in the community. You're like those rocks that were pulled out of the riverbed to remind the world of the faithfulness of God. That's who you are. A rock that speaks a testimony, that declares for all generations to come, God is faithful. Look at who I was. Look at who I've become. Look at what God's done in my life. And people must know the Jesus that's in you, that's changed you. People have to hear your testimony if we're going to become the church that speaks and lives like Jesus did. Your testimony has power, but to do that, you're going to have to activate it. You have to put it into motion. Remember with me, Sir Isaac Newton's first law of motion. Yes, I know I'm taking you back some time. All right. Some of you are like, did I even have that class? Yes, you had the class that talked about Sir Isaac Newton's first law of motion. Let's be clear, objects in motion tend to stay in motion unless affected on from an outside force. Your testimony is an object that can go into motion. The only thing that's going to keep it from going into motion is an outside force. What is that outside force? Some would say it's Satan. Others would say all kinds of things. The outside force is simply your unwillingness to share it. It's you. God's come and He's filled you with the power and the message of Jesus Christ. Have you put your testimony into action? Are you like a rock that is screaming the faithfulness of God and what God's done in your life? Because the only person that's keeping you from doing that is you. Put your testimony into motion so that other people can hear your amazing message. People at your work, they need to hear what Jesus has done in your life. People in your family, husbands, your wives need to hear what God's speaking to you. Your kids need to hear what God's speaking to you. The world needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ, not preached from a platform like this, but preached from your life. From your life. The world's hungry for the authentic Christ follower who would just show them, this is what God's done in my life. And you know the beauty of your testimony? No one can argue your testimony away. Because it's yours. It's not you trying to preach a message and then afterwards you get five emails from people that didn't agree with you. 
If you would like to get those five emails, then stand up here. Because when you preach a message, people can interpret things and they can use Scripture, they can turn it around, they can say whatever they want to say. But they can't do that with your testimony. Your testimony is like a rock, unshakable. No one can deny it. They, don't, they may try not to listen to it, but there's something about the power of Christ's message that's coming out of you that sticks inside of their spirit, inside of their soul, and they can't get away from it. I want to encourage you today. Take action, young ones. I'm speaking to me now. Take action, young ones. Right? And let's pursue our elders. There's something about when you ask one of our elders, tell me about, tell me about the faithfulness of God in your life. Tell me about how God's been faithful to you. I mean, they have got some amazing stories. Amazing stories of what God's done and how God came through and how God rescued them from this and how God showed up when they prayed this and how when they had nothing and all they could trust on was God and God showed up. I want to encourage you, activate the testimony inside of this church when you're standing out there, you know, eating a donut and drinking coffee. Find someone you don't know and just ask them, I'm another new lifer. Hey, just, would you tell me, Pastor Jeff said to ask you about the faithfulness of God that has been active in your life. Can you just give me one story? You'll be blown away. They're amazing ones. Just like Nate interviewed some of our teenagers up here. Go find one of our teenagers and ask them about what God's been doing in their life. And you'll be inspired. You'll be encouraged. But when it comes to your own testimony, I want to encourage you to do something with me. I want you to pray with me that God would use your testimony. Just begin to pray with me that God would open up the doors for you to share the good news that's inside of you at the right moment, in the right place, with the right people. I'm not asking you to go stand up on some bully pulpit and beat people up with your testimony. Please don't do that. Because if you come and do that, I might be the one picket that pickets you. I might be there, please stop the preaching, please. All I want you to do is pray that God would give you opportunities to share the love of Christ when he gives you those opportunities. So that you would be praying for yourself, the sensitivity. But I also want you to invite people to come, come to the place where rocks gather so they can hear the testimony of Jesus Christ. Invite people to the place where the rocks gather to hear the testimony of Jesus Christ. If you can't put that together, if you're baffled by that scientific equation, basically it's invite people here so they can hear the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's how the power of your testimony is activated so that the church of new life looks more and more like Jesus. So why does God call us to step out, step into the river? And why does he call us to share our testimony? This is what he says in Joshua 4, verse 24. He says, he, God, God did this. He brought the people from the, from the place unlike the promised land, into the promised land. He brought them into the place where they become God's people in God's land. Look, so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so that you might fear the Lord, your God, forever. God wants to move through you so that the people of Carney and the surrounding communities might know that God is powerful. God wants the power of His Holy Spirit to move through you so that you won't forget that he's powerful. So notice, God wants you and me to be his priests so that he gets the glory, not you. So the monkey's off your back. The responsibility 
You know, the weight of the whole thing's off your back. All you have to do is go, God, make me the priest that you want me to be. Help me to step into the river of someone's life and to love them where they're at. God, help me to take my testimony and to share it with power. Why? So that he gets the glory. That's what God wants to do. You are God's priest, and the authority of that priesthood comes from the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So God wants to use you in in the river of someone's life this week. Who is it? God wants to use you to share your testimony with someone this week. Who is that person? While we worship today, I want you to come to God and say, God, who are these people that you want me to step into the river of their life and help them battle the forces of hell that are coming to kill, steal, and destroy? Who are those people that you want me to love right where they're at, God? Give me a compassion for them. Who are the people that you want me to share you know, the testimony of hope with? Who are those, God? And I just pray that, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, you would, you would give me the opportunity to do that. Come today and worship just to know God and His ways so that you can lead others to become God's people in God's land. That's what I'm asking you to do. There's another group of people that I'm asking something else from. There's those of you that are stuck on the other side of the river right now. And this river's raging. And you are like a harvest that God wants to bring in. But it's raging and you don't really know what to do and you've You've tried to find your way to God only to get swept downstream and you climb out again on the desert side. And then you try it again five years later and you get swept downstream and you've been trying to cross the river to become God's people in God's land. And I'm telling you today, there's hope. You're in a safe place. You're standing in a group of safe people. You're standing amongst people who I believe want to be God's priests. And they want to jump into the river with you. And they want to pray with you and journey with you and help you forge your way across that river. We'll believe God for a miracle. That He would back it all up and that you would walk across on dry ground. But if we have to get into the river and walk with you and get wet and get messy, we'll jump into the river with you. We'll forge the river with you to help you become God's people in God's land. So if you're here today and you need to cross from where you've been living, self-centered, to become God's people in God's land, then I want to pray with you. I want to help you do that. And today, these altars in the front are for the hungry. Those who want to cross. Those who want to be God's priests. Those who want their testimony to be powerful. Those those who want to step into the river of other people's lives and to love them. These altars are for the hungry who want to jump in and help people forge the river to become God's people in God's land. Why don't you stand with me today? Let's pray. Father, here in this place, we know that your presence is with us. We know that your Holy Spirit is here. Where two or more gather, you are here. Lord, in this room, in this room, Lord, today's message is not a light one. Doesn't, it's not light. Lord, it has a, it has a weight to it. Lord, your word says that, Lord, your burden is light though, but it yet nevertheless is a burden. And that your yoke is easy, nevertheless, still is a yoke. Lord, we want to embrace that burden. We want to feel the weight of that yoke, God. We want to we want to be your priests, Lord, that love people right where they're at and step into their lives and love them right in the midst of all the junk that they're dealing with, in the midst of all that hell's trying to bring at them. Lord, we want our testimony to ring out for generations, to be that rock for you, God, that stands strong in the midst of a shaking world so that others might stand and find the rock of Jesus Christ. 
of all other ground shifting stand. Christ, the solid rock. Lord, we choose to stand. Lord, for those that are in this room today, they've been trying to find their way to you, but kept getting swept downstream. May this altar, may it also be a safe place for them to come and to find refuge. Find refuge, find life again in you. Lord, stir our hearts with compassion for the lost. Stir our hearts with compassion for those that need to become your people in your land today. Let us never think of ourselves as being righteous. But let us always remember that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Meet with us in this room today, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we worship today, let's let these altars be for the priests to come and find strength. Let it be a place to come that your testimony would be empowered. Let it be a place for people to come and cross over from death to become God's people in God's land. Let's respond to God.